Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, and welcome to Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. We appreciate each and every last one of you guys. Um, you know, it's, it's been real. It's been fun. And, you know, I want to give a special shout-out to my troll from last week. We appreciate you, darling. And I'm laughing because it's, you know, I'm laughing because, you know, he thought he was getting away with trolling, but I turned it into a damn teaching experience. So it's it's just funny to me how you have these people call up and try to put out every freaking negative um, stereotype about black people just in an effort to get a rise out of me. And it's so funny because there's very few people in this community who have, fig- who have figured out how to instantly set me off. And it won't be from a troll phone caller. Trust that. Hey, Raina, how you doing, honey? Hey, I'm doing okay. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I am good. We got so much to talk about today. I just promoted your show. So I just sent it out to Facebook and Twitter. So people should be coming over here in a second. Um, it's so much to talk about. So much to talk about. And we apologize for the technical difficulties last Sunday. So hopefully we won't have that issue today. Um, you know, mm-hmm. some issues gone with Blog Talk Radio because I gave them a call. And so we weren't the only ones having, but some of that was my phone. So I don't know what's happening. Um, in what I say when I talk about when I was saying about Blog Talk Radio, I should have been able to dial directly into the studio from my computer, but it was just acting all wonkers, you know. So that is how that goes. So today's show was supposed to be the inmates are running the asylum, but I'm pushing that one back due to all the excitement over the past couple of weeks about you know, Black Lives Matter disrupting Bernie Sanders in particular. What's interesting is they attempted to enter into a Hillary Clinton rally, and they were basically denied entry because it was, quote, overcrowded, end quote. And so Hillary met with them privately, of course, afterwards. So it's just interesting. She won't meet with them publicly, let them publicly, you know, engage her or challenge her, but she'll meet with them privately. Um, They also went to a Jeb Bush and they shut that down, but he did not meet with them. And, you know, it's been a number of different things. Um, Donald Trump said that if the Black Lives Matter people come to his rally and try to disrupt, that he's going to beat them up which is interesting because that is what they experienced at the second Bernie Sanders rally when they were trying to, you know, speak and make their point. Some of the white liberal progressives were, you know, beating on them. They were scratching them, even biting them and calling them all kinds of names. And this is why many of us are sitting back and we're kind of smirking because we've talked about on a number of occasions how, you know, with some of these white liberals, you know, they present one way, and especially when we're in a room. But after we leave, the conversation changes. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, even though 
may not have agreed with the tactics that were um, used or employed at the Bernie Sanders rallies, you know, both of them, it's been effective. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's been effective. And, again, like they tell us, this is not your mama's civil rights movement. That applies to you, too. So, I mean, you may not understand the word mama, but, okay, the, this civil rights movement is not your mother's movement. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's different. <laughs> it's different in, in, in the techniques and tactics that have been employed in the past have not. It didn't work then. You know, what happened mm. is they pacify the protesters then. And that's what's happening now, even with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, the, you know, they're being pacified, if you will. And this is why they're pushing all of the uh, all of the candidates. So they're not done. They're going to be pushing everybody. They're going to protest everybody because it's interesting because I see all these questions about, well, why haven't they said anything to Hillary? You know, the decisions and the laws that Bill, you know, signed, you know, the bills that Bill signed into law. That's why that didn't sound right. Um, you know, <laughs> um, some of the most racist. That's true. And that's something that I've talked yeah. about on the show on a number of occasions. Go ahead, Raina. No, I, I wasn't. Oh. I was just agreeing with you. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. We're good. But yeah, you know, Bill, and I'm like, and, and you all are still walking around calling him the first black president. You know, I, anyway, moving on, moving on, Kim. Stay focused. So it's just interesting, but all of them are going to be challenged. Like I said a few weeks ago, I am actually looking forward to Donald Trump's response because that's going to be epic. And I'm talking about in the ignorance column, okay? Not epic like I love every word coming out of his mouth. I don't. And it's interesting because, you know, I was talking to a couple of white women, um, you know, after a rally here in Chicago. And we were sitting there, and I was waiting on my car. And basically, we were sitting and talking about Donald Trump. And believe it or not, I find it hard to believe that with him and all of his experience and all of that money and all of that exposure, I just find it hard to believe that he could possibly be that racist and ignorant without, you know, without any qualms. And so there's a part of me that's hoping, absolutely hoping, that he is just a troll. You know, and that he's just trolling. I don't believe he is. I don't believe he is. No. You don't believe he's he what, a troll or that racist? So he's trolling. No, I believe he's that racist. Yeah, you know, I mean, all the evidence points to that. But you know me. You, you know how I am. You know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, just like, you know, that in-your-face ignorance and racism. I mean, you know, I appreciate it. And the reason why I appreciate it is because at least I know where he's coming from. There is no guesswork there. Whereas with some of these liberals, you know, you're sitting there and they're like, oh, he loves black people. Oh, I bought a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Yay. You know, so that's not how it works. You know, because, you know, as Raina and I have said in the past, you know, it takes more than a t-shirt to show solidarity. And unfortunately, some people in this world who feel as though they, you know, wear a T-shirt or buy a hat or, you know, maybe, you know, put a bumper sticker on their car, that they've shown some solidarity and that they support the cause. 
No. Just no. You know, I don't even know how else to put that. Just no. Mm-hmm. That's not how that right. works. Right. And so it's interesting because um, just a lot of the things that we've been hearing and, you know, have a you know few white allies that I talk to here and there or that I'll see on Facebook and, and, and look at, you know, what they're talking about in regards to the situation. And I've had to correct a number of things. First and foremost, I want people to understand that we cannot allow the media to designate any type of protest action, you know, attribute it all to Black Lives Matter. Because not all of the protesters out here are part of the Black Lives Matter movement. There are a number of different movements out here. And so whenever there's anything, you know, they're saying, oh, that's the Black Lives Matter people. No, not necessarily. And because of the hurt feelings of a lot of the white liberals, progressives, what have you, you know, they were trying their damnedest to pressure the Black Lives people, Black Lives Matter people, to force those other two young women to apologize. And Black Lives Matter said no. And what they did is they turned around and embraced those two young women. You know, mm-hmm. you know, embraced them and 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 thank them for what's going on, Raina. Nothing. Oh, okay. Now I just hear something mm-hmm. in the background. That's, but um, um, they embraced them. They embraced those two young people which was absolutely magnificent. I'm glad they embraced them as opposed to, you know, just ostracizing them or shunning them or publicly condemning them because that's not how you build a movement. That is not how you build a movement. This is about building collaborations. And there are just some people that you cannot collaborate with. And some of these other movements I hear, you know, just know, no, no. Mm-mm. So just, anyway, so just 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 going on that and just watching the commentary over the past few weeks, and it was building up and building up and building up, and it's so interesting because I had uh, a quote unquote. Well, I won't even, I won't even quote, but a so-called white progressive liberal secular activist come on my wall, and he was angry about, you know, what had happened with the Bernie Sanders rallies, and he was angry about, you know, know, because I made a statement, you know, and I posted an article, and most of that statement is what you see on the page for today's show. And I was just talking about white liberals and how, in some cases, they have hindered our progress. And so his little white feelings were hurt. And so he came over and he was like saying, we fought to get, you know, to to get the British away and we fought for you. And I'm like laughing because I'm like the Revolutionary War was not fought for black people. As a matter of fact, the black people that did fight in a Revolutionary War, they were promised their freedom after the war. And they didn't, America reneged on that. So back to the chains, they went in the fields. And so... You know, that was a lie, and so then he was like, he said exactly, fuck your ethnocentric shit. You know, doesn't that sound like a lovely ally to you? 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, and then he said, all is better. All is better. All lives matter. And he was just going in, and I was sitting over there laughing, you know, watching. Of course, I turned around and blocked him. But the thing is, is that, you know, the Black Lives Matter people, you know, basically showing up and engaging the candidates at their rallies is bringing out the white supremacy that is based in a white liberal, you know, progressive community. It is. I mean, just think about it. What is more democratic Mm -hmm. than what Black Lives Matter is doing by challenging these people? What's more democratic than that? We should be able to challenge our, our candidates and hold their feet to the fire and ask them, you know, what they really represent and what they really intend to do to um, address the problems that we face. You know, we have every right to do that. We're we're U.S. citizens, and, you know, that's that's our right. Exactly. You You know, they're holding these town halls, and, you know, all of these things. We have a right to confront them, if you will, in the public square. We have a right mm-hmm. to stand on our soapbox and to challenge them, like like Raina was just saying, and and it should be in public. As a matter of fact, you know, I would actually like to see a debate put on by the Democrats and, and another one by the Republicans with the Black Lives Matter people moderating it. Now, that would be something. Well, I don't think you know, the Republicans would do one, but, you know, good luck with that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying, I would love to see that happen. I would love yeah. to see that happen. I would love to see BLM actually moderate a debate, you know, with both parties. You know, I mean, if they can, if they're just only going to agree on one debate, you know, whoever comes from both parties. But I would think that it would be in their best interest to show up, and well, more mm-hmm. so with the Democrats than the Republicans, because the Democrats rely heavily on the black and Latino vote, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, they rely. Well, I don't know. I don't that. know if they've, I don't know if they've uh, decided on a president on the final presidential uh, debate schedule for next year, but hopefully if someone like when Eiffel is on the schedule or um, Donna Brazil, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they'll, maybe they'll have a, you know, they'll hold some questions related to Black Lives Matter. But I doubt very seriously that they would ever entertain a uh, an actual <laughs> Black Lives Matter-themed, um, you know, debate. I don't think that would ever happen. Well, you know, maybe not this election. Maybe it's something that we can build up for the midterms and then possibly the next, um, you know, presidential I'm telling you, what's going to happen is you'll put it on, it'll be put on, and you'll get uh-huh. a lot of third-party candidates, but you're not going to get any real major, um, you know, uh, candidates right. coming. They're just not right. going to do you know, it. Well, yeah, and you know what? And that's perfectly fine because even if, you know, the third-party candidates get there, the Green Party, there are many people in the community that support the Green Party and, you know, a number of mm-hmm. other ones, that's fine. At least they were willing to come on and and attempt to engage, you know, the public, engage voters. And, I mean, it can easily be spun into a PR nightmare for the major candidates, not that they really care. But, I mean, Democrats better care a little bit because what's interesting is, you know, over the weekend, you know, I've been catching up. I finally hooked that damn cable box up. 
So now I got regular cable. It was sitting on the floor for about two months. But because um, I didn't want cable anymore, I don't watch television. But you know, because of what's happening, you know, around the the world with you know this Black Lives Matter movement, I figured I better get television again so I can you know kind of keep up with the news um, for certain things. So and I mean I I read a lot online. I get the majority of my news from online. But I guess this way I can watch two or three different sources at once, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, where was I going with this? Um, la, 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 Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I mean, you got these people out here. And once I figure out my thought that I had a few minutes ago, I'll come back to it. So we have all these people out here. And, you know, last night, you know, I was having a hard time sleeping. So sometimes I'll go online and read, you know, newspapers. Or I'll just sit there and try to doze off looking at the timeline because usually, you know, you know, with the timelines, timelines on Facebook are really slow and boring because people talk about a bunch of bullshit I'm not interested in. So um, this one person made a status update, and it said, the Sanders supporter shit show continues, today's winning submission. And he was being sarcastic when he said that, so I'm just letting you guys know. And so he put a quote up there, Black Lives Matter is divisive, not revolutionary. They're using race to divide the movement, end quote. And so, you know, I was sitting there laughing because, you know, that line about, you know, black people being divisive has been used so many different times, you know, and and using race to divide the movement. That's been used so many. We hear that bullshit in the secular movement so much from people who don't want to see black or Latino or Asian in front of any group name. They just want homogeneity, you know, which is basically racism. They want everybody to be white or white-like or center, you know, Eurocentric, if you will. And it's just Mm -hmm. interesting because what I find funny is that you have some black people out here using this on other black people, especially Mm -hmm. when the black people do not support their bullshit, right? And so, you know, I was hearing all different things, and, you know, a lot of people are blaming Barack Obama saying it's because of him that this country is divided and, you know, all of this racism has come about. And so, you know, it's like, really? Really? It's like he hasn't done a thing. All he did was be born and be born with a little bit too much melanin. So you're saying that because he has black skin and he's in a position of power and authority, then that's making the whole country divide itself amongst races. I want, to, I want to know how that works. Just because he has, and I mean, and the same thing over here, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and what's happening, you know, as far as, you know, the black community as a whole, because, you know, the black community as a whole does not support Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, you know. Um, so, you know, I could go more into detail, but I'd rather not. I'd rather have you stay guessing about that. But, um it's just interesting when you have people of color, you know, regardless, red, yellow, you know, black, brown, whatever, whenever we decide that we're not going to take your shit anymore, all of a sudden now, you know, we're being divisive and we're dividing the country. And it's all because we refuse to be, you know, treated as subhuman, being treated as second and third class citizens. No. You know we're not going to take it anymore. And it's just interesting because 
keep telling people we need to go back and pick up that poor people's campaign that Martin Luther King had started. And, you know, with that particular campaign, it was an aggregation of everybody, including poor whites. And that is what we need. We need to build that particular political base. And, you know, I've been saying something for years, but, you know, the same reason that they killed Fred Hampton. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. It's the same exact reason, you know, and something I've been saying for years, but in particular, the past few weeks for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, Black Lives Matter movement, in order to be effective in, you know, building this movement and gaining power, we're going to have to, you know, basically organize to be more engaging politically, and that's why I posted that article last week from The Hill asking if Black Lives Matter is a, is a PAC, a political action committee. And I've been saying for years that we needed something like a PAC to represent and lobby for, you know, black people. You know, and I mean, it wouldn't just be black people. Of course, we'll, you know, integrate other people into it, you know, but um, it, this needs to be done. Because I believe that if Black Lives Matter, you know, if Black Lives Matter became a political action committee and started registering poor and working class um, people of color across the country, now, if you want their attention, that sure as hell will get their attention. Because in addition to, you know, registering you know, people to crawl, to to vote across this country. If another faction, if another faction, um, you know, was you know part of the political process, and let's say you know this particular organization got vans and was transporting people back and forth to the polling places to make sure that they voted. Because, you know, in many cases, people can't get there because, you know, they may not know where it is or they may not have money to catch the bus or they may not have had time off of work. And it's like this, you know, if they have late voting, which, you know, a lot of the Republicans have fought against. They fought against, you know, evening late polls and and um, late polling place hours and weekend polling place hours. And they did that because they know the majority of people of color, especially poor and working class, that they can only basically get to the polling place after work or on the weekends. And there's, there are some, I mean, even if they opened it up early, I'm sure that there will be people that will be happy to get up early and go to the polling place and be dropped off at the train or the bus stop so they can go back to work or what have you. But, you know, people can organize in cars like they did in the civil rights movement when they were boycotting the buses, you know, um, people in cars. And I, I believe that it's going to get to the point where we're going to have to start employing some of those old taxes as well. You know, um, you bring them to their knees economically. We don't really have a choice. So it's not about taking one day out the week and, and, and you know, protesting that one day, which is, a, which is great. That was good because it was effective. But I'm talking about taking things to another level now. And it's important that this is done. And that's why, you know, I was just laughing, and that's why the title of the show, White Folks Clutching Their Pearls, 
because, you know, I'm sitting there and reading some of the responses and, you know, I, you know, I just saw white people just, I don't know, running around acting like, you know, the sky is falling, <laughs> you know, and it's just mm. some of the most, because they didn't know how to process what had just happened. And so, you know, a lot of them felt that, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement disrespected, you know, Sanders, the candidate, disrespected the organizers that put the rally on, disrespected the Democratic Party and the Democratic voters and America at large. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we just talked about, you know, a while ago how if a Muslim does something, you know, all the Muslims all over the world needs to apologize to that one white person or two white people who were offended. You know, if one black person does something, then the entire black community needs to apologize to that one or two white people who were offended. But if a white person does something to offend anybody outside of their particular culture, oh, well, he's just a lone wolf. He had mental health issues. Every excuse they can come up with. So, you know, they have these double standards out here, and we are held to a higher accord, and it's bullshit. And so, you know, I'm going to get into something because I found an article. But anyway, I'm going to give you some of the responses on that um, gentleman's um, Facebook status. And, And, again, a lot of this is sarcasm, so understand that. And so one of the responses was, yes, thank you for that. I don't know how blacks could ever resist without white liberals giving them direction. Keep up the good work. Another one, and it's such sound guidance because the way to defeat racism is to just stay silent about it. Me, I don't see color. Pharrell and I bring the revolution. I'm just savoring the tears of white liberal sadness, wondering if they go well with bourbon. The killer is... (laughs) <laughs> the killer is the white. I mean, sorry. The killer is the people. I can tell you that they do go well with bourbon. Just FYI. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, some of that. What's that honey bourbon? That's what you drink. That's your drink, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and here's another one. Um, the killer is the people talking shit like this think they're highly conscious leftists. And, you know, in in the last one that I copied from there, he said, Bernie Sanders is the only candidate with a racial justice plan. Where are the others? And see, there you go. Boom. That's the headline, y'all. You know, because whether people want to admit it or not, what Black Lives Matter is doing, and especially pushing and pressing, putting pressure on Bernie Sanders, they're helping him. Mm -hmm. They're helping him. Right. And there's a lot of genius behind what is happening and what is being done, whether you right. all realize that. And that's why I said, you know, if you look at the show notes, I, basically I said, we don't have to check in with you all with everything that we do. We don't need right. your approval for what we're right. doing. Right? Because it's right. because of you that we have not made some of the progress that we could have made over the years. You know, you like to tell right. us just what just wait, this is not the time, or you give us some type of advice and we do it, and then it, it gets the attention, but now you want to go run and hide because, you know, you, you don't want your comfortable lifestyle, your privilege. Yeah, I mean, look at, be- look at, um, I mean, just look mm-hmm. at what happened in the 1960s with white people, right? 
black people right. are in the midst of you know some of the most turbulent years of their lives of their lives of people of color in this country. And what did white people do? They checked out. They started taking drugs. Yep. They were listening to hippie music. They were on this peace. We are the world shit. Not giving, not really giving a shit about the actual civil rights movement. Just on this right. sort of, you know, um, you know, uh, I just want to be one with everything. While meanwhile right. giving no fucks about the material uh, realities that were going on. And they and they could do that because they had white privilege. They didn't have to participate. Right. You know? Exactly. So. Exactly. You know, there you go with that white privilege thing again. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just interesting because you look at all of these different movements happening. Even with the LGBTQ movement, you know, you have a lot of people boycotting Stonewall, the movie, because, again, they factored out the black and Latino um, drag queens that fought back. They were the ones that started the gay movement, if you will. And, oh, just FYI, not all trans people are gay. Not all drag queens are gay. Not all drag kings are gay. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to make sure that I put that out there. But, you know, regardless, it was started by Latino and black drag queens who decided to fight back. And trans persons. Yeah, trans persons. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. I'm going to see if we can get Miss Major on the show. Now, if you want to holler, that's going to be a good show. So, you know, but... um, You know, because um, Miss Major was part of the original Stonewall. And so, you know, and I saw her interview the other day, and she was like, I can't believe they're still doing this shit. Oh, Miss Major will read you. So, I mean, of course, I love her because I just love it. Let them have it, right? And so, you know, um, going back to the LGBTQ movement, you know, now that, you know, marriage equality, or, you know, is is for everyone across the board. Again, you know, again, in, in the images that you see at the forefront of all of that is basically white male. You'll see a few white mm-hmm. females right there, but you always see the Latino and black people in the, in, in the background in a crowd, but never in the mm-hmm. forefront. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's the same thing because, you know, you know, as far as marriage is concerned, if you talk to a believer, and you ask them, you know, what what is the primary function of a marriage? Their response in some cases, or in many cases, would be to procreate. And that's the excuse they've been using against LGBTQ people, saying that you don't need to be married because you cannot procreate. Where they got that from, I don't know, because, you know, there are a number of people in the LGBTQ community that have children, you know, that, mm-hmm. that are there. You know, or, you know, even adopting children, which has been a nightmare in many cases for the LGBTQ. But Kim, but Kim mm-hmm. you know that biologically speaking, that once you become gay, like, you no longer can produce children, right? Like, right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, my uterus just fell out of my body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, That's right. It's you know. like, it's an instant hysterectomy. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'm saying all of that to say this. Marriage is a contract. You know, personally, I feel that it should be civil unions across the board, and then the church 
should be able to issue marriage licenses. Now, I know some of you all are up there, you know, clutching your pearls right now, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, there are a lot of LGBTQ affirming churches. There are a number of LGBTQ churches. So then they can issue the marriage license that way. That's all I'm saying, you know, because I just feel that, anyway, it doesn't matter. Now we have marriage equality across the board. But the main reason why I'm saying that is because you still have religious people challenging that. You still have, you know, clerks, county clerks, refusing to issue the marriage license, you know. And so, you know, do I believe it would be as many problems if it was um, a civil union? Yes and no. Yes and no. I just but, think we should get rid of marriage altogether. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, the thing mm-hmm. is, is that you know, other people. I mean, in terms of I, in terms know. of like, I just think that like a lot of the, I just think that there's a lot of people who know, uh, you know, who live in partnerships, you know, that mm-hmm. don't get those benefits because they don't get right. married. I think the state should not be involved in people being uh, coupled, whether they're long-term yeah, coupled or short-term coupled. I just don't think the state should be involved. I don't think the state should be invested in that at all. Right, and I so agree if with you. Wanna go, if you want to go to the church, if you want to have some kind of civil ceremony that, you know, that people can say, you know, where you can be recognized, right, for that pairing, that's fine, but I don't think that it should have any bearing on what you and that other person do or how you all can interact, you know, financially or legally or, you know, otherwise. I think that's between you and that person and your lawyer. That's true. You know, or legal room. Well, Well, I agree with you 100% because in all actuality, the way that marriage is set up in this country is actually discriminatory towards single people because single people should be able to have all of the same incentives. And if you're a single person with no children, you are screwed. You're heavily taxed. Um, You really have no incentive, and there are really no safety nets for you out here. So that's why, you know, you hear me say it every once in a while that we need a single person's movement, but, you know, I truly believe that. But coming back to center about white folks clutching their pearls, what I mean when I'm talking about the LGBTQ community, marriage is a contract. And so, again, it's about power and economics because once you get married and your marriage is recognized, there are a lot of incentives that come with that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, the LGBTQ community has not, you know, dealt with the racism, the sexism, misogyny, and so on and so forth in their own community. Neither has America at large. And um, and um, basically, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And basically, you know, there are a number of things that you know need to be dealt with. But anyway, I'm going to move on from that. But again, like I said, it's about people being able to gain more power politically and economically. And that's why I was going with the marriage thing. You know, you have two people coming together, so they're bringing their their you know, goods, what have you, together. You know, whether it's putting their land together, putting their finances together, so on, which makes them a stronger couple, a stronger player in the game. But, yeah, no, it's just interesting. You know, some of the things that, you know, I wrote down 
for the show today, and I was talking specifically to white liberals and progressives that are out here telling us that, no, no, you're doing it the wrong way. That's not how you do it, and this is going to hurt your movement. Look, let me tell you something, because I saw, you know, many articles. Because, I mean, that's what I've been doing all week, just reading and scouring articles. You know, I put the one article up that says that the Black Lives Matter people were demanding demanding that the other protesters um, apologize to the Bernie Sanders, and that wasn't true. But I put that up there to show you guys how, you know, the media is twisting this and how the media is trying to control this particular movement, not only with putting false stories like that out, but also with, you know, again, labeling any black person who does anything ever again in life as part of the Black Lives Matter movement, when that just isn't so. And so, you know, again, I had people come on my wall, inbox me, saying that, you know, we should support, in particular, Bernie Sanders. How do you know we don't support Bernie Sanders? But more, most importantly, and why did you get to tell us? Right? Why do you get to tell us who we should support exactly? Because bullshit. Exactly. Like, you know, this is. You know, I think one of the things that bothers me about white liberals who tell us that we're doing it wrong. A, I think the first problem is the assumption that black people don't have the intellectual capacities to know what's good for them. Right. Right. So that's the first yeah. failing. The second failing is is not understanding how white people dictating the black people what they should and should not do, how that reinscribes the master slave relationship that mm-hmm. they've always favored. And and three, you know, uh it, it just denies us our basic human rights. You know what I mean? So just right. you know, you don't get to tell us like who you should support. We support who we want to support. And some of us are gonna exactly. I do think that I do think that some of us you know may decide to um you know act against our best interests the same way that a lot of white people act against their best interests. But it is our right to mm-hmm. support who we choose to support. Like I don't I don't understand black Republicans. I don't have any black Republican friends, thank goodness. But mm-hmm. you know, it's their right to support, you know, people like, you know, um Ben Carson or whoever else even though I don't necessarily believe that that's the best option, you know? Exactly. And that's why the first, you know, bullet point I have up here is you do not have the right to tell us who and what to support. Because I saw a lot of white people up there, you know, posting articles and making status updates saying that we should not support the Black Lives Matter movement because their little feelings were hurt, right? And the thing is, you know, they're trying to destroy it because they don't control it and they don't understand it. And so I'm like, you know, the thing is, is that when we try to explain what happens to us as, you know, as the black people, you don't believe us. We got to give somebody like Rachel or Tim Wise to come tell you, then you understand, which I think is bullshit because they'll use the same exact language that I use. But you can't understand it when I say it or you act like because you are Because you're black. Therefore, right. your your relationship to truth, to objective truth, is is tenuous at best. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, these are some of the things, you know, white liberals, if you want to learn how to piss off a black person, there you go. I just gave you the example. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, you know, they don't listen. 
just like the studies have shown that, you know, white people feel <laughs> that we don't have the same type of pain that they do, that we can endure more pain. And, and I'm like, there we go with that slave mentality bullshit, you know, and mm-hmm. you, it's anyway, because we're not trying to set me off today. So the second bullet point, you should not use your support as a bargaining chip in return for perceived good behavior. And it's just interesting because, you know, with a lot of these white people, and, oh, yeah, Raina, I think you already know this, but you know I used to be a black Republican. And then yeah, I left, yeah, experienced a little. And so that's why with the black Republicans, I kind of understand where they're coming from and I understand how and why they're misguided. But anyway, going back to this, you know, you know, some of you white liberal progressives, you know, it's like, you know, when when they when you feel that the black people are here being good and, you know, being civil and showing etiquette, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, you know, your, your perception of good behavior, of acceptable behavior, then you want to support us. I mean, that support is extremely limited, but, you know, you won't necessarily condemn us. But, you know, you're using your support as a bargaining chip. And in in return for demanding that we behave a certain way, which is basically what you demand that we do and how we behave. That's bullshit. Be seen and not really heard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what they want. Exactly. You know, they, they want us to seek their approval. And I was talking about how they have this incessant, you know, need for us to seek their approval you know, they have this need to control everything that we say and do, you know. And, I mean, now, is, you know, their white supremacy is being exposed. You know, you mm-hmm. all really want to laugh, go and look up and see what Martin Luther King had to say about white liberals toward the end of, you know, before he was assassinated. Because he became remarkably more radical toward the end. But look who was around him, you know, Bayard Rustin, Asa Philip Randolph, James Baldwin, all of them. And so, you know, it was interesting to see, again, you know, I want to make sure I clear this up. Even with that phase of the civil rights movement, it did not start out on a religious, you know, uh, you know, on a religious path. It didn't. It was a secular path. Or as one of the instructors said, it was a people's campaign, right? And what happened was... Had a lot of white um, Christians using the Bible to justify the mistreatment of black people. You had a lot of white Christians using the Bible to try to justify even attempting to put us back in slavery. And so what they had to do is they had to fight fire with fire. So that's what kind of forced them to pick up the Bible and start using scriptures against those same people. So, you know, that's something for you to think about because, I mean, that's actually rather deep. And I wonder if somebody has written a book about that. You know, if you find out or one of you all out there listening, you know, let me know if there is a book out specifically about how during the civil rights movement, how they had to employ um, the scriptures in, in basically defending themselves against white racists. I probably already own the damn book, but I ain't got to it yet. I got piles of books that I need to read. But, um, so going back to that, you know, yeah, you know, if you're using your support as a bargaining chip, fuck you, keep it. You know, seriously, mm-hmm. because, you know, that's that's not how you do business. Either you're, if you're for the liberation of black people or you're not. 
You know, that, that liberation mm-hmm. shouldn't come with restrictions. How the fuck does that work? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's just, it's interesting because, you know, I had people on, you know, the timeline saying that, well, I used to support Black Lives Matter, but not now, not after this, and blah, blah, blah. Look, it's like this. You probably never really supported them in the first place. Right. And this gave you a reason to say that you don't support them so that when you right. get pressure to people, and the reason why, you know, a lot of people, I know you're saying, why is she, why does she continue to talk about the secular community? Why? Because that's one of the bubbles I happen, happen to be riding in right now and looking mm-hmm. at these people and, you know, pointing out their hypocrisy, pointing out a lot of the weak parts, weak points in this movement, and this is what I'm saying. You know, the secular community has not even dealt with the racism, the sexism, the misogyny, the homophobia, transphobia in this community. Nope. They haven't even dealt with that here. So, and I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, the, the racism, the sexism, and so on that I'm seeing from this community has been breathtaking. If you ever want to see it, let somebody write an article about, you know, black secularists or Latino secularists or Native or Asian secularists. Look at the comments. Just look at the comments. That says it all. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the up here talking, you know, black lives matter. I'm an atheist and black lives matter. And I'm a humanist and black lives matter. And, you know, like I said last week, you know, buying a couple of T-shirts do not make you down with the cause. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. You know, and and because of some of the pressure that's been applied to them, you know, you have some people saying, well, half the proceeds from this will go to this particular organization, nonprofit organization. And you look that nonprofit organization up. This is why I say research people. And and it's a nonprofit nobody ever heard of, um, you know, owned by, you know, like I said last week, Cousin Bubba that nobody know what Cousin Bubba doing. And, you know, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, I, I think some of these organizations, I know, I'm not even going to say I think, I know some of these organizations in general are nothing but a shell. There's nothing mm-hmm. but a shell. And so, and I'm just sitting here and I'm laughing, you know, because even in this community, you know, what I've been saying, you know, over the past couple of years, and I'm laughing, you know, they want to go and save and bring water to and feed all the starving children in Africa. Yet they support no 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 one, you know, in the United States. And, you know, the biggest irony of it all is the white secularists don't even support the poor white secularists. So if you're not supporting your own people who are in need, and when I say your own people, I'm just talking about the secular community at large, why do you think, you know, I'm going to believe that you're feeding the poor children in Africa. Right. Seriously. And, you know, it's not like we can, you know, catch the bus to Africa and confirm what you're doing <laughs> over there. <laughs> you know, you right. got people packing up their old winter coats and winter clothes and shit, sending it to Africa, you know. And I, anyway, I'm just tripping. I am tripping because it's like, you know, calling it out across the board. You know, but yes, some of you white folks out there clutching your pearls, you know, you're full of shit because you mm-hmm. never supported us to begin with. Right. And so just it's absolutely amazing. This next bullet point, you do not have the right. 
Okay. That's mm. That's okay. That's okay. You do not have the right to tell us to stop pressuring politicians to put our needs on their political platform. I'll repeat that. You do not have the right to tell us to stop pressuring politicians to put our needs on their platform. Boom. That's the that's the mm-hmm. headline. Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. so I'm tie those two together and segue off into what we need to talk about in this particular part of the show. Bernie Sanders, after being pressured at those two rallies, he unveiled a sweeping policy platform to combat racial inequality. He's the only candidate that has done that. Now, mm-hmm. just because he's unveiled that, it does not mean that he's going to implement it. Because, again, that goes back to what I said earlier about the pacification of, you know, people in this movement, of black people in this country, black people all over the world. Just because they put together something on paper, that doesn't mean that they're going to implement it. So that means do not set off with the pressure. You know, we mm-hmm. got to continue pressing them. But what were you about to say, Raina? Sorry. No, um, I was just going to say, also, that doesn't mean that he won't. Um, that he'll be able to implement it because that's not presidents don't enact law. So he, he, you know, he can he, all he can do by his executive authority is change how the law is enforced. Um, which is which is not to say that I'm you know you know which is not you know unimportant, but um, mm-hmm. you know that means nothing without the legislative component. And if we don't vote in, you know, senators and. Um, and, 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 you know, uh, representatives that will um, support such legislation, then he definitely would not be able to implement such a thing. And then also, I mean, I don't really think that Bernie Sanders is a really great politician. So um, I think that for him, it would be even more difficult <laughs> to implement any of those types of plans because Bernie Sanders is who he is. He doesn't really care who he offends when he says certain right. things, you know? Right. So I just, exactly. I think that it's great that he has a plan. The only problem is is I don't think Bernie Sanders is a savvy enough politician to really get it done, particularly with um, Congress being how it how it is right now, you know? So. Right. right. And, and because this is why we say all politics are local, we need to start right. putting pressure on our mayors, our aldermen, our state senators and reps, our governors, you know, and press them to bring forth this same type of policy and push it through the state, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, basically put pressure on the people that are running for Congress. So those particular senators and representatives, even, you know, when they're running locally before they're elected officially, we need to put pressure on them. We need to start showing up to those rallies, you know, too. Because, I mean, Rahm Emanuel here in Chicago had a wake-up call when we forced the runoff with him and Chuy Garcia. You know, and Rahm, Rahm Emanuel, he won, you know, by a hair or two. And so, you know, it's interesting because he just collaborated with the ACLU and basically threw some of the young black protesters here in Chicago under the bus. There's a group here called We Charge Genocide, and they were challenging, you know, the stop and frisk 
and the ACLU, and I posted it on my wall. So go on and look at that because that's not what we're talking about right now. It's a part of it, but I want you to go and, and take a look and see what's happening. But I want us to understand that, you know, we need to engage people not only for these federal positions that they're running for, but, you know, the mm-hmm. local and state positions as well. So this mm-hmm. is why I'm saying if we were to form a political action committee just across this country, that would put a hell of a lot of pressure on them especially if we had um, allies that would, you know, basically get these people to and from the polling places, you know, other organizations that decided to, you know, be our allies, if you will. So, you know, I'm just throwing this out here. I'm spitballing right now. But I do know that this would be effective, you know. And so, you know, that's something that we need to talk about. And also something that I was, you know, you know caught a glimpse of, the latter part of this week and this weekend was apparently now I don't know how true this is so but you know I've been reading these articles I saw a couple of news clips apparently Joe Biden is rethinking his position he's now thinking about joining and throwing his hat into the ring and from my understanding so is Al Gore you know they're testing the waters to see if if a run is possibly viable. And so it's interesting because I need you all to pay attention to that. There is a reason yeah, why I don't think that, I don't think that, um, I think I heard that, I heard that thing about Al Gore and, um, I heard the thing about Biden. I think that, yeah. I think the Biden is probably is possible, but I don't think that mm-hmm. Gore is. I think they were saying Gore's people were saying absolutely not. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, Hillary been saying absolutely not the past four five years. Too. Yeah, but we knew that she was lying the whole time. Yeah, you know she's Hillary Clinton. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Al Gore actually, Al Gore actually, you know, has run and you know tasted a pretty bitter defeat. You know what I right. mean? So. Exactly. Yeah. So now I'm right there with you, but I'm just finding it interesting how they're throwing all of these different factors into that particular equation there. You know, it's interesting because it's like the people that are showing up for Bernie Sanders, I mean, it's been staggering. And the media has been playing a lot of that down. And so, you know, again, you know, pay attention. But to me, the headline is, you know, he's working this policy. He employed um, a member from Black Lives Matter to be his press person. And Apparently, Hillary has hired a couple of people and, you know, trying to, you know, collaborate, if you will, with um, Black Lives Matter in in some regards. But, you know, we got to continue putting this pressure on them. And we got to continue not only putting the pressure on them, it has to be done in public. It has Mm -hmm. to be done in public. Because, you know, one of the things that we always complain about are those backroom deals that we see happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, across the board. So, you know, we have to remember that and continue to pressure them, and it doesn't stop when or if they are elected. And we got to remember that, too. This is going to be an ongoing process. So, you know, even though I want Black Lives Matter to form a political action committee, I understand how much work that goes into that. And unfortunately, with a lot of us, you know, we're living check to check. You know, and, and you do get burned out. You know, it's like we're out here, we're protesting, we're doing a number of and things. And we're fighting the Koch brothers and the ruling class. 
you know? Right. I mean, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. I mean, it's like on a certain level, I mean, I, I feel like we're fighting a, a losing game. You know what I mean? Right. Because yeah, yeah. Um, the odds are just tapped too far against us, you know? I mean, that doesn't right. mean that we can't, you know, make some, have some victories and whatnot, but I feel like with most things, without a, you know, a drastic change in the mindsets of everyday people, that we're never really right. going to see the type of change that we need to see. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that yeah. how I feel about political... I mean, I don't even know how I feel about the political action committee because on a certain level, I think what that's a good idea. I also think that um, in the end, you know, what happens when you take these, you know, radical movements and you move them into the political arena? They become right. they become more conservative. They become more moderate. And in some ways, they become less effective. You know what I mean? Because at the end, they're trying to appease this moderate conservative element of our country, because that's our country. Our country is center right. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. They become. I mean, they become so. You know, they just become just moderate. They moderate. Uh, you know, moderate in their, um, in their, in their the ways that they go about things. And I feel like, in the long run, yeah, we'll get like a few things. You know, maybe we'll get some schools reintegrated maybe we'll get some more budget money for certain schools maybe we'll get right. a few more scholarships and Pell Grants so like at the end of the day we'll still be throwing you know certain classes of, of black and brown people under the bus you know until we're right back in the same situation that we're in now I mean it's the same thing with we're in a, a new reconstruction basically you know the po- a new post reconstruction era you know and um, it, this is just what happens, you know. We get some, we get somewhere, and then you know the the odds are stacked against us. We get to a place where the odds are so stacked against us, we make concessions, we uh, get some things given to us, and then we're right back in the same position again. I feel like we just we take two steps forward, two steps back, you know. That's that's true, and I mean by nature. Most black people are moderate to conservative, and you know it's it's, it's so um, yeah. No, I'm right. I don't with think you. it's by nature. I think it's by socialization. You know what I mean? I think most of us have agreed with that have decided that we agree with the you know white supremacist patriarchal capitalist status quo, and we think right. that this is the way that things are supposed to be, and you know things you know just because that's this is the way that things are does not mean that this is the way that things are supposed to be, you know. Um, there are better ways, and, we, and there's data even, you know, and, and, you know, from sociology and stuff like that that shows that a lot of the things that we think are working for us aren't actually working for us. But because right. we can go to the grocery store and pull our little money out of the ATM, most of us think that we're doing okay. But right. the truth is, is that while you're doing that, um, a lot of the things that that allowed you to get to the point where you can have your nice little house and your nest egg and all that type of stuff are not going to be available for your children and your grandchildren. They're just not there. They don't exist. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why we saw the uprising of Occupy Wall Street many years ago. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the white kids, they found out, they finally figured out that, you know, 
their future has been sold off as well. And so, you know, they were feeling, you know, disenchanted or disheartened or what have you. You can only imagine how, you know, some of the younger blacks felt. And it was just interesting because, you know, there were a lot of people of color that supported Occupy Wall Street. And, you know, they're doing different work out there now. But it's just the whole thing is interesting. Um, you know, and, I mean, you can read the rest of the bullet points. The only one that I really want to talk about again is you do not have the right to determine what is best for us. Because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you have too many people out here who feel what is best for us is slavery. You know, and it's, it's just, it's amazing. You well, that's know, what George Bush thinks. <laughs> I mean, talking about some of us need to work longer hours, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out what uh, country he lives in. You know? Right. Right. I mean, Americans are some of the hardest working. Are some of the hardest working people on the planet. We work more hours. We get less time off. We get less vacation. We don't get. I mean, some of us can't even take a, a friggin' sick day. You know, we have. You know, we have um, poor standards for our health care insurance and, and health care. And yet, you know, we are uh, expected to work more hours for less money. Right. Like, what in the world? That sounds like slavery to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And so that's why I'm sitting. And then they want to, you know, pay you whatever they deem is, is appropriate. And, again, we already know is that, you know, we had poor whites out there working with us. They're going to get paid more money, and they're going to be made the overseer. You know, you don't have a few blacks that want overseer. We're already seeing that, you know. So it's it's just interesting. But, yeah, you know, I'm just laughing how, you know, they want to support us if we're behaving well, if we don't get out there and protest, because I remember saying all of that, you know, I and some white people are like, you know, I don't mind them protesting, but, um, you know, with the guns and the weapons, you know, they don't need all of that. They didn't have guns in the other civil rights movement. And then I turn around and slap an NPR article about we will shoot back and how many of them were armed during the civil rights movement. So needless mm-hmm. to say, that, that thread is then abandoned. All you hear crickets and see tumbleweed, crickets and tumbleweed, mm-hmm. because I just slapped the whole conversation down. You know, mm-hmm. it is just interesting because, you know, I don't do a lot of talking on social media, but every once in a while when someone is having a conversation like that and I'm feeling some particular way at that moment, I'll just go and put some information there. And it's just it's right. too funny because, you know, I think sometimes some of these people are surprised that we know history and we know it well. Right. And oh, it's just it's funny. But, yeah, now I want to talk about, you know, some of these, you know, white folks clutching their pearls and, you know, with their precious, delicate nerves being rattled by the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, not only that, but any type of black movement or Latino movement or Asian or indigenous movement in this country, anything that is going to challenge them. And so, you know, I was like laughing because it's like, again, you know, we get bonus points for good behavior, right? Like we're in jail. And so, you know, I found this article and, you know, I'm just laughing. And there's a reason why I brought up Paula Dean and Phil from the Duck Dynasty, 
you know, because, you know, that little Southern hospitality, you know, the type of hospitality they want us to, you know, abide by, if you will, you know, when they're saying that basically they remember back in the day, you know, during Jim Crow and how the black people were happy. They were much happier then. No, if we said we weren't happy, we got beat, even though we were out of slavery. That's one of the reasons why a lot of blacks migrated from the south to the north. And so, you know, um, it's another article that was out, and we're going to talk about this one in a minute, but another article out, and it was talking about southernism, right, about the southern mentality, how even though when the slaves were emancipated, that white southerners still kept up that, you know, slave and master, you know, um, relationship. And mm-hmm. how to even today in modern times, you know, white people in the South are of that same mindset. But then this article started showing how that Southernism mindset, you know, has migrated to the North. And now we see mm-hmm. this all over the country. And I don't believe mm-hmm. I post. I'll post it a little bit later because, you know, that's something for you to think about. And, again, you know, Paula Dean and the Dynasty guy, you know, they were just speaking out what a lot of other people are afraid to say. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I just want you I need for you guys to start paying attention to this type of shit because this, this is real. This is real life. This is not, you know, you, you know how you have people say, oh, that's just Facebook, that's Twitter, that's not real life. Yeah, it is. The things that you post on Facebook and Twitter, you know, can have an impact on your direct life, especially since you now have employers out there looking and scouring for, you know, dirt on some employees. So anyway, mm-hmm. this is an article from Gawker, and the title of it is Lessons in Etiquette. Protests and the Politics of Civility. Again, Lessons in Etiquette, Protests and the Politics of Civility. And I'm going to post this as well as the Southernisms. And I'm also going to check a web, put a post up of a website, and it's called Check Your Bias, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the um, originators of this, you know, Check Your Biases project her name is Erica, and I met her in Cleveland at the Black Lives Matter um, um, conference. And so, you know, we're going to have her on one of the shows. More than likely, it's going to be on the other um, network. But we're going to have her on. But I'm going to post this link a little bit later. And if you want to go there now, just go to checkyourbiases.com. And um, we're going to post that, and you take this test, and it will tell you, you know, about, you know, the implicit biases that you may have. And, you know, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the candidates to take this test and post their results publicly, which we know they're mm. not going to do. But I, I think that was, yeah, you know, it was nice talking with Erica about strategy. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that I learned, you know, down in Cleveland at the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm bringing it back and implementing it, you know, into my Mm -hmm. life. And I'm just laughing, you know, but we won't even get into that because I was about to go straight down, you know, Sesame Street with that. So I'm going to leave that alone. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, a lot of the things that I learned at the Black Lives Matter movement was absolutely astounding. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just 
for me. I was just going to say little... one thing, Kim, and then I'm going to get ready to go. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, think about what it means when when white people who are criticizing the Black Lives Matter movement um, are saying that they don't like the disruptions and they don't like being inconvenienced. Think about what right. that means when people are fighting for their lives and their rights right. and the people who benefit from the systems that that um, take those rights away, that restrict us. Think about what that means to us when we hear you say that, that our right. lives and our rights and our our concerns are inconvenient to you. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So exactly. you need to think about, you need to question that. You need to question where that comes from. And if you, and if you interrogate yourself enough, you'll realize that you're basically a white supremacist. Right, you know, white privilege on steroids. Exactly. Right. You know, because Mm -hmm. we're in you, you know, because, oh, since you're saying that, you know, I'll come back to what I was going to talk about a little bit in a few minutes. What's interesting, it was talking about the um, double standards, because you had white people all in the police space in Ferguson. They did nothing. Black people got in their face. They were arrested. Oak keepers walking around with fully automatic weapons, nothing happened to them, you know. And, and mm-hmm. so then when they were protesting on I-70, um, they had some of the white allies out there, you know, holding up the traffic, holding hands. And everything came to a stop, and they weren't arrested. However, when it was, you know, the black people's turn, you know, to um, link arms across the highway, you had a driver that plowed into them. Driver didn't go to jail, but the protesters did. They were charged. The driver well, wasn't mean, charged. Now think about this. Remember Clive and Bundy? Remember all those yeah. ATF, AFP, ATF people and, you know, federal agents out there? Uh-huh. They had all those white people on Clive and Bundy's ranch with guns on law enforcement. And law enforcement backed down. The law enforcement routinely assaults and kill people of color who are unarmed. Exactly. Think about that. Think about exactly. what that means. You can flout the law in this country. Flout the law. You know? Right. And be, if exactly. you're a white person, if you're a black person, you don't even have to be guilty of breaking the law. Exactly. To be killed or brutalized. Exactly. But you right. want us to sit there politely with our hands folded and our legs crossed until it's our right. turn to speak. Fuck you. Right. Like, exactly. Seriously. Exactly. But anyway, exactly. girl, I got to go. <laughs> it's okay. been good. Okay. I, uh, I'll okay. talk to you later. Okay, Ray. Yes, Tell will. everybody, hey. Okay. I will. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, this. this is important, you guys. And it's important that you all pay attention to what's happening, um, that you speak out, speak up, you know, um, when you see these injustices, because it's extremely important that, you know, you all pay attention to the nuances, that you pay attention to, you know, what's happening around you. And, you know, what Raina said was absolutely correct. 
And that's why, you know, I put up there talking about, you know, where I talked a little bit about the double standards. And, you know, I may post an article about that. I saw that going around on Facebook, so you probably already have it. But, you know, if I remember, I'll post it um, a little bit later. But, yeah, no, I want to talk about, you know, the lessons in etiquette because, Again, you got white people out here clutching their pearls because, you know, they believe that our protesting at these rallies and putting pressure on these candidates, you know, I, you know, I guess it's uncivilized in, in many of their worlds. So, again, this is on Gawker in the name of the article, Lessons in Etiquette, Protest, and the Politics of Civility. And I am definitely going to, you know, post it a little bit. But, you know, it was talking about, you know, progressive policies of the past and how they, you know, sometimes fail the community. And, you know, how even though they were, you know, put together and, and, and they were supposed to safeguard, you know, black and Latinos, that's not, you know, what really happened. And so, you know, I'm just looking at this and you all really need to read this because again even in this article it's talking about how you have some white progressives out here that says that the Black Lives Matter movement you know um, should be squashed you know you got some of them that are saying that and basically they're saying that the black protests don't really know what's in their best interest and that is what I've been saying I've seen you know people making comments on things that I posted on my wall on the Black Free Thinkers public page and the People of Color Beyond Faith public page. And, you know, it's just interesting because not only with, you know, what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement, but also with any movement in which, you know, people of color start to self-identify and to try to push forward policies or procedures that will benefit us. You know, again, you know, a lot of these organizations, a lot of these movements, they want homogeneity, which means, you know, they want whiteness, which is basically they're trying to force us to acclimate, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, us resisting it and saying, no, basically what we're doing is we're doing things that are not in our best interest because they get to be the decider. They get to decide what's in our best interest, and what's in our best interest is doing whatever the hell they want us to do. And that's not reality. That is not reality. I don't know what world you're living in, but that is not our reality. That is not the reality of, you know, blacks in America, blacks across the world. So, you know, again, I'm going to post this article, and, you know, um, you know this is actually a good article. And it has links to other articles, which will help you to better understand the direction that, you know, I'm going in with this and, you know, how it does, um, you know, you know how it affects us. And, you know, what white people are still saying, you know, you feel that you know what's best for us and that you get to be the decider of what happens to our communities. And you don't. And you, you know what you're saying to us is that as long as we're playing the game your way, then everything will be fine. But the minute that we stop playing the game your way or seeking your approval or, you know, seeking your guidance, that, you know, you're going to stop supporting us and, you know, you're going to let the boogie monster come and get us. You know, that that's what I'm getting from all of this. And, you know, again, 
this is going to be interesting because we're not going to check in. We're not seeking your approval. We're not seeking your authority. We are doing what is best for us. And we don't have time to wait. And like I said last Sunday, you know, the statistics that were being put out there, those statistics came from 2012, in which it said in every 28 hours, you know, a black person is murdered in this country, you know, by state violence. And actually, you know, from the current statistics, is one every 21 hours now. So, you know, I, it's, it's just as important for you guys to go out here and read. And, you know, White Allies, you know, again, it's wonderful to have you. We appreciate it, you know, because I want to make sure that, you know, you understand, you know, where we're coming from in this. But, you know, there are a number of things that you can do, and I posted a couple of articles. I mean, you can hold fundraisers, um, you know, and donate the money. Um, you can send supplies. You know, you can talk to your other white friends who will listen to you and not us, but talk to them about why we have this movement and why, you know, it's important for you to keep it black lives matter and not all lives matter. You know, I posted an article that, you know, deconstructs that quite well. So, you know, why all lives matter is an insult because if all lives actually mattered, there would be no need for us to say black lives matter. So, Go on my wall, and my wall is pretty much open to the public. You know, you can find it on my Twitter account, the Tumblr, or the Google Plus. All of that is out there. So um, it's just it's important. But, yeah, you know, uh, we need to start putting pressure on these people locally. And that's what I was talking about earlier, how the ACLU made a deal with Rahm Emanuel. And um, it's, it's just it's horrible. It's horrible, and I want to make sure that the people in Chicago know that because, I mean, if Rahm Emanuel had a runoff the last time, he may not get, you know, reelect this next time because it's important that we put this information out there. And that's also, you know, what you can do, white allies, you know, put information out there that we need to read because, I mean, I can't read everything. There are things that I miss. You know, like I said, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, you know, and I go back and I try to rectify those and try to fix it and, you know, own it. But, you know, you need to go back and pay attention. I mean, you know, I also want people to know that, you know, this country, you know, a lot of the policies that we have in this country, you know, a lot of that has been rolled back. Our schools are now more segregated then they were integrated. It's gone backwards. And you all need to pay attention to that, you know, especially in North Carolina. And I think it's in Florida as well. The numbers are staggering. But, you know, I'm just going to stick with North Carolina right now and how the schools are becoming increasingly more segregated. And we need to pay attention to that, especially with, you know, the bandwagoning, if you will, of these charter schools. You need to pay attention to all of that. And there was a mass arrest for Moral Mondays as well. They arrested well over 100 people. I need to post that as well. So, I mean, they're out here and, you know, they're doing everything that they can to shut these protests down. And, you know, not only talking about the police officers, but you have people like Oath Keepers and other militia groups coming out. We need to pay attention. We also need to be careful. You know, for those of you that are activists, 
it's important that you know your surroundings. You pay attention to who's around. You pay attention to what's happening around. It's important that you do that because um, an article came out talking about DeRay, right, and how, and DeRay McKesson, and how, you know, the feds have been keeping tabs on him. And it's not just him. It's a number of activists that they are now tracking. And so last week I told you a little bit about Stingray. You know, go and look up Stingray um, technology, you know, and get a better understanding of what Stingray is. I'll say it three times. One more time. Stingray technology. And go and read up on that and see, you know, how it's being used against the protesters. So, I mean, again, you know, going back to all of this, you know, a lot of these, you know, progressives, if you will, you know, they haven't really supported us. You know, I want to see what black grassroots movement or community that they've supported. You know, you know, they're not the ones out here taking the risk. So, you know, it's us. And so, you know, again, you know, we want you to go back and read what, um, you know, we can come back to this, you know, because it's like, you know, I'm not about to let this go anytime soon, but I just wanted you all to, <laughs> you know, um, go out and pay attention and read some of these articles. But this one right here, you know, is, is interesting because, you know, they define civility. And it says civility is invoked as a method of discipline, as a way of sanding down the edges of a conversation. And so basically they're saying civility is discipline. Discipline is control. Control in the context of being black or more generally any non-white individual at the edges of society who lack not just tools, but the access to tools to fashion a better life for his or herself in a country that continually insists on your civility, even as it offers none in return, is white supremacy. That's a mouthful, y'all. So that is in that article about lessons and civilities. is actually a really good article. Um, and I'm going to post it a little bit later. But, you know, again, you know, putting some of this pressure on these candidates, like I said, you know, Bernie Sanders putting together this policy platform to combat racial inequality. But what we need to understand and what we need to learn is that, you know, in, in order for us to affect change, you know, in, you know, much change, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of things differently. So, you know, it's interesting because, like I said, you know, what was happening when the two young women protested the second Bernie Sanders um, rally, you know, you had people biting them, you know, pushing at them, scratching them, hitting them and calling them all of these names. And so, you know, it's interesting because, of course, you know, you're going to have a lot of people out there justifying that type of white violence, you know, and then criminalizing, you know, black people, you know. So it's just interesting because, you know, I've seen some status updates saying, you know, don't focus on the cops. We need to focus on the criminals. And, you know, another way of deflecting, and it's just interesting. Um, there's another article here is about black pathology and the closing of the progressive mind. You know, and this is from last year, and it's by ta Coates. And I'm going to repost it because I think it's important for you all to 
um, read these articles and understand what's happening, you know, around us. And so, you know, I posted a lot of good articles, but it's just important. And it's important that, you know, we remain, you know, resilient and we get out here and continue protesting and continue putting pressure on them. And what I think is a beautiful thing is that this Black Lives Matter movement is, you know, it has gone transnational, if you will. So, you know, there are people protesting in Canada. You have people protesting in England, you know, um, Holland, you know, a number of, you know, different protests. You know, Brazil, I mean, I can go on with more and more, but, you know, they're out there protesting, and they're saying Black Lives Matter. We had Palestinians, you know, protesting with us, Syrians. And so it's just interesting because, you know, I implore you guys to go and to look up a lot of these different cultures. I remember posting some articles about, you know, Afro-Iraqis, afro you know, Iranians and, you know, all of these people. You know, the slave trade was, you know, not only with white colonials, um, it was also with, you know, the Arab community. And so, you know, there's a lot of anti-blackness on that front as well, and we're going to have to talk about that one day. But, yeah, you know, definitely, you know, and there were people from these other countries who thought that black people in America you know, basically forgot about them because Barack Obama was elected. And, you know, the answer to that has been no, and now they realize that, you know, we're still supporting their liberation as well. And so, you know, again, you know, I want you guys to go and read. And, you know, when I think I'm going to do a show talking about white progressive colorblindness and post-racialism. You know, because there are a lot of great articles out there, and I'm going to post one a little bit later um, today in, you know, talking about their colorblindness and how that's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, you all know where I stand on there. You know, that colorblind, you know, excuse is a way to diminish, you know, our existence. You know, basically when you say that you're colorblind, you know, you're telling me that I don't exist. And this is not a post-racial America. If this is post-racial America, you know, it's, it's, I'm just, you know, astounded by what's happening and, and how we're being treated. And it's just it's because I've told people on a number of occasions that, you know, you know, there are some white liberal progressives that are racist. And, again, you know, this is just pulling it out of the closet and putting it on front street. And so, you know, we don't want people to be fooled. We want you to know that, um, you know, what's really happening out here. But, I mean, like I said, I know we have a lot of white allies that, you know, listen to this show. I'm going to post an article, and it's called More Than a Theory, More Than a Trend, Making Your White Anti-Racism a Lifestyle Commitment. And this was from earlier this year. And, you know, need for you to look at this. There are a lot of ways in which you can support us and, you know, these other grassroots, you know, movements that are happening around this country. But, you know, you're going to have to check yourself because, you know, uh, when you all get upset about something that we've done, something that you don't understand, you know, and you want us to stop, you know, again, you know, that's one of the things that have hindered us over the years that, you know, you all demand that we wait and that we do things your way 
and you know, basically, um, you know, is 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 hindering, you know, what's happening. And one thing that I will say is, you know, for the Black Lives Matter movement, is you know, we really need to look at organized labor, which they are, and getting some of these, you know, labor units. I'm sorry, labor organizations, labor unions, to. Uh, you know, be allies with us. And that's one of the things that helped out with the civil rights movement, which is why it's important. That's why I tell you all to look up people like Asa Philip Randall, you know, um, you know, Pullman Porters, you know, look all of that up. All of that is important for you guys to know because, I mean, even then, you know, Martin Luther King had some words about some of the white liberals or the white allies. Um, you know, that were supporting them then. And as Raina said, you know, when, you know, the shit really, you know, hit the fan, many of those people checked out and, you know, kind of left us to our own devices. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think is beautiful about the Black Lives Matter movement is that it's leaderful. Everybody has a role to play, you know, um, you know, what talents or that you have, they want contributions. I mean, everybody plays a role. And, again, there's a difference between this phase of the civil rights movement and the last phase of the civil rights movement. And so I think next week we're going to talk about, you know, radical um, radical tradition, um, you know, radical humanist tradition or black radical tradition and revolutions. And so we're going to talk about some of the revolutions of the past, you know, their successes, their failures, um, you know, define revolution, re- revolutionary, and, you know, radicalism. And, you know, what's interesting is um, some of the feedback that I'm seeing for some of the white people, you know, trying to say that Black Lives Matter movement is not revolutionary. Actually, it is. And I'll explain it more in depth um, a little bit later. Um, But it's just interesting. Um, There's a lot of lessons to learn. A lot of lessons to learn by a lot of different people, including us. And so, again, you know, the people that were accusing us of giving the Democratic Party a pass, that's not true. It's not true. You know, Hillary's people you know, basically are shutting us out of those rallies and meeting with us in private. You know, what they say, write a letter, send an email, make a phone call. You know, but, you know, it's just funny. The people that try to say that, you know, they want us to do it, but then, you know, they trot their bullshit out in public. And then when you respond publicly, they get upset. Funny how that works. So, you know, it's a lot to learn. It's a lot more that we need to do. Again, this movement is in its infancy, and everybody has a chance to be a part of this. But, you know, one of the issues that have come up, which is interesting, and, you know, again, you know, you have some some of these white liberal progressives that are definitely patriarchal in mindset. And so some of them have been trying to push black men to the front of this movement. And, you know, we even have some black men that have tried to come in and attempt to co-opt this movement. And, you know, there are quite a few people that are upset that this movement is being led by, primarily being led by black women. 
and as I've stated in the past, all of these movements have been, for the most part, started, maintained, funded by black women. It's always been that way, and we've always been promised by these black men, oh, we're going to get to your issues, and it never happened. And so now we're taking control, and we're saying, no, you won't do that to us again. But most importantly, it's all black lives matter, because even with some of those with that patriarchal mindset, you know, many of them are, you know, homophobic, you know, sexist and all that. And we're addressing and confronting all of that, and we're making sure that everybody understands that all black lives matter. So, you know, you have trans women of color, trans men of color, you know, some of everybody, you know, taking part in, in this movement, and that's important. And so, like I said, next week, you know, we'll talk about what is revolutionary, what is radical, and, um, you know, start putting things in perspective. And so I'm going to post another article from Counterpunch, and it's talking about Malcolm X and C.L.R. James and the political choices of today. And, you know, a lot of what we're seeing today is the same thing that happened in the past. And this is what I've been telling you guys, that, you know, history repeats itself. It just has different players. And so we need to go back and listen to some of the words of the players from that last phase of the civil rights movement and and learn something from it so that, you know, there's no need to repeat some of those same mistakes twice. But it's okay if there are mistakes made because we're human. And so, again, it's just, you know, interesting. But, yeah, we need to talk about the black radical tradition. You know, it's important that we, you know, address those things and bring it to the forefront. And so... You know, again, this is not your mama's civil rights movement. And, you know, things are a little bit different now. And it's important for us to move forward on that. But, you know, again, you know, for some of the white people that are listening to the podcast, this was not an attack. But, you know, what we're trying to get you all to understand is, you know, there are still quite a few biases that many of you harbor. And it may not be, you know, being done consciously. You know, it could be subconscious. But we need for you all to do a little soul searching, you know, some introspection there. And that's why I'm going to put up that link for Check Your Bias. Because, you know, you have people out here saying that there is not a racist bone in my body. And I'm like, what about that three inches of gray matter between your ears? And so it's it's just interesting, but yeah, you know, I, you know, I challenge you guys to take that test and to you know work on yourself. And you know, I also want black people to take that test, you know, because you know there's some biases on this side as well. So you know, I just encourage everybody to take that test, and you know, when you receive your results, you know, copy and paste it into a Word doc or what have you. And start working on those things. I think it's important, you know, um, you know, it's important that we all, there's enough room to grow. You know, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. You know, I learn something new every day. And, you know, what's interesting is that at the conference, you know, that's when I realized, you know, fully that I really know nothing. So, you know, it was a wonderful, fantastic experience. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to next year. But most importantly, you know, I am, you know, again, putting this information out here 
hopefully, you know, we'll be able to move forward. And, you know, hopefully, you know, a lot of these white liberal progressives will check their privilege because, you know, that's what's happening. That's what's showing, you know, you know, that interruption of that rally. It brought a lot of that bias out. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, a number of you all, you know, it's just interesting. You know, either you were going to support us or you won't. You know, you don't need an excuse to say that you're not going to support this movement. You don't need any excuse. And so, again, um, this is just the beginning. And if you were, you know, upset and angry and pissed off about what took place in the past couple of weeks, you know, I mean, you better go and to one of these big box stores and buy you a couple of bottles of aspirin because it's going to be more aggressive. And so, you know, it's coming. Sorry, you know, we don't have time to wait. And there are going to be some bold stances. There are going to be some bold tactics. That's just how it is. And so there was an article out there. I want you to go and read about how the Black Lives Matter movement has affected the church. And you put up an article about nonprofits and the pacification of the Black Lives Matter movement. You need to go and read that. Because, you know, we've been promised a lot of things and it never came to fruition. And this is why we're pushing as hard as we are now. Because just because they put together, you know, a policy platform regarding, you know, um, racial equality, that doesn't mean when they get into office that it will be implemented. And like Raina said, the president does not make laws. The Congress does. But most importantly, we need for you to understand what has been happening across this country. The Republicans have been taking the state legislatures. They've been taking the governorship. And what happens on a state level and on a local level has more impact on your life than what happens at the federal level. Because when they find a lot of these federal, when they sign a lot of these laws, you know, in the federal government, many of those you know, laws, again, the money is pushed down to the state. And then the state gets to administer, you know, those particular funds or push those particular programs or what have you. And then this is how some people, you know, have been able to continue to oppress people of color. You know, and so I did a show on affirmative action a couple of years ago. Maybe it was a year ago, but... Go and take a listen to it. And, you know, I think I want to do another show on affirmative action for white people and how, you know, the New Deal, how that, you know, adversely affects the black community. And it's, it's just interesting. I'm talking about initially, but even now, affirmative action primarily benefits white women. So that's why when I see white women out here saying ABC and it needs to be gone, you know, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, you all are the ones that benefit the most from it. So, you know, again, you know, we start, we need to start looking at this um, from a more macro vision and see what's happening out there. But, guys, you know, things are changing. Things are changing. Um, I also want you all to go and look up um, an article that was talking about Sandra Bland and the Supreme Court. And it was talking about how her arrest, um, how the Supreme Court had ruled on some laws 
that um, that basically talked about, you know, people being falsely arrested. And so someone wrote an article and it was talking about, you know, how Sandra Bland was falsely arrested and what the Supreme Court had ruled on that. So um, go and take a look at that. But, yeah, next week we're going to talk about revolutionaries and radicalisms and, you know, different movements and current movements, what makes them radical, what makes them revolutionary. Another thing, you know, there's been another incident with Clive Bundy, you know, and, 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 you know, the armed militias. And again, like I said, the promise keepers were down there. It's just, it's, it's interesting what has been happening and what we're dealing with. And some of the older people, you know, especially some of the older black, Latino, indigenous, you know, Asian, um, you know, elders, they're upset about what's happening and what's going on. So, I mean, it's history repeating itself, but, you know, we need to learn the lessons of the past and keep pushing it. So, yeah, you know, like I said, it's a lot of stuff that I've given you all today, but, yeah, you definitely want to go and look up um, the incident with, you know, Moral Monday demonstrations and how they made over 100 arrests. I think it was like 140 people were arrested, and so um, it's, it's just it's crazy. And, you know, again, we need to start putting pressure on the media for, you know, not categorizing everything as a Black Lives Matter, um, you know, protest. Or, so it's just interesting. Well, you need to pay attention to that. And we also need to, you know, talk about how, I'm not going to wait, I'm going to talk about it now, about how some white people are, you know, looking at Bernie Sanders and, you know, and, and making him this great white hope, right? And, you know, that's not the case. That's not the case. He's not the great white hope for white people, and he's certainly not the great white hope for black people, you know? And so it's interesting, and, you know, it's it's an article out about that. And this article, I, I agree with most of this article because, you know, it put out some questions like, what's wrong with those people? And that's one of the things that I saw going through my news feed for the past couple of weeks, talking about the Black Lives Matter people and, and you know, basically, you know, questioning black people knowing what's best for us. And it's just, you know, it's interesting. And I mean, even within the black community, you have some people saying that the Black Lives Matter movement tactics are wrong, and you have some that are saying that it's right. And so, you know, you got a little bit of pushback even going that way. And so it's, it's just it's absolutely amazing because, you know, it's showing me more and more, you know, of the people in this community, and I'm talking about the secular community, that are in denial, absolute denial of where they stand. And so, like I said, just because you bought a couple of T-shirts, that does not mean that, you know, you have supported Black Lives Matter. is more than a damn T-shirt. It's more than a mug. It's more than a damn bumper sticker. You know, you don't get to buy a T-shirt and feel that, you know, you've done your part. You haven't done anything. So um, it, it's just interesting. But one thing I will say that happened that was great is that California 
banned the use of grand juries in police, police shooting cases. So, you know, look that up about California banning the use of grand juries in police shooting cases. And, you know, if that's happening in California, there's a chance that it's going to end up spreading across the country. And so, you know, that's actually a good thing. So, again, so much to share with you guys. And like I said, um, you know, I, I'm loving what's happening. You know, because basically we're forcing people to take a look at their biases is pulling out the white supremacy, you know, in all of these different communities, you know, white progressive liberal communities, because we know, we know when we leave the room that your conversation changes. We're not stupid. We know. And so it's just interesting, you know, but I'm glad that it's coming out to the open. And, again, Black Lives Matter is a demand, not a plea. Black Lives Matter is a demand, not a plea. I posted that on my wall as well, you know, because we don't have time nor the inclination. Accept us, pretty, pretty, please. Just accept us. Oh, we want some rights. No, no, that's not, no, that's not how this works. So it's just important for you guys, you know, go out there and read. I don't even post a lot of the stuff that I do have because it's so much. And so that's why I tell people, go ahead and subscribe to the Black Free Thinkers Praxis or the Moving Social Justice Daily on Paper Lee because it's a lot of information out there. And one of the things that I've seen happening, you know, was one of the protesters at the second rally you know, you know, we have white liberal progressives and, you know, especially in this secular community who want to focus on Marissa and her um, affiliation with, you know, the Tea Party and being a Sarah Palin supporter. And Marissa, you know, gave a couple of interviews, and I suggest that you all go and watch them or read the transcripts because, you know, her mindset, you know, has changed. And what's interesting is with a lot of these white liberal progressives, you know, they want to hold her feet to the fire about, you know, being a former Sarah Palin supporter and a former Tea Party. And what's interesting is is that, you know, when you have people come into the secular community saying I'm no longer religious, you know, they're accepted and not even questioned. You know, and when we find out that, you know, there's some discrepancies, if you will, you know, they didn't really have their master's degree from Duke University. What they say is you go lie low, and then they turn around and give you your own atheist church. And a number of other examples that I can come up with and, you know, showing how the secular community is more hypocritical than the religious community. I used to think it was on equal par, you know, that's what I was, you know, but, you know, in the past few months, no, they've taken it to a new level. You know, people want to scream that, you know, the black community is not a monolith. Secular community is not a monolith. Say one thing that somebody doesn't like. And then all of a sudden, well, this is what we all believe. This is what you believe. And you change your, you know, your opinion and you get out there and you apologize and you never do that again. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And so it's just interesting, but yeah, no, Bernie is not the you know, the great white hope. 
there's nothing like that ever going to happen. People need to stop waiting for some type of savior to come and save them. It's not going to happen. And what we need to do is start training up some of these young folks to, you know, run for political office and, you know, take our interests into consideration and start pushing it. So, you know, again, it's a long-term program. It's a long-term, you know, um, process, actually. And so we just need to take all of that into consideration and keep moving forward. And, you know, it's another article. I'm going to have to post this because this was a really good one, too. And it's talking about how America placed whites above blacks and built a whole society around it. And, you know, this was written by a Berkeley professor. So, um, again, it's a lot, it's a lot that needs to be covered, a lot that needs to be put out there. And so, you know, again, we're just asking you all to be patient, support, you know, the different movements out here. You know, you have We Charge Genocide, you have the Black Youth Project, you have Project NIA, you have, you know, just all of these projects happening across, you know, the board. And so I posted an article about, you know, several new young protest movements that are on the rise. So, you know, go back and you can find that information. But, yeah, you know, again, the white people out there that are clutching their pearls, relax, decompress, take a deep breath, and then have yourself some tea, coffee, you know, it was after, it was close to 12 o'clock. I guess you can take a drink now, you know. But, yeah, you're going to have to stop that. You're going to have to stop telling us what you think is best for us because that's what's been happening since we were brought, you know, to this country. And, you know, you have had white people telling us what they think is best for us which primarily benefited them. It benefited white people more than it benefited us. Because, you know, truth be told, if you look at our community now, you know, in 2015, we are in worse shape than our community was in the 50s and 60s. A lot of that black wealth has been lost. And, you know, a lot of those conservative whites and white progressives benefited from that. You know, we need to take a look at all of that as well. You know, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that, how, you know, the real estate um, community, how, you know, the, the worthless pieces of paper, you know, hedge funds, all of that. We need to talk about that a lot more and how it eliminated the wealth of a lot of black and brown people. And, you know, again, you know, it's our communities that, that have been hurt. And we are in a worse position now than we were then. And, you know, now we're being killed out in the streets just because someone didn't like the way we looked at them or they didn't like the music that we were playing in the car or they felt that the music was too loud or just because they were having a bad day and they wanted to take it out on somebody. You know, I mean, there are a number of things that's been happening And so, you know, you have the typical responses to that. You'll have some white people attempting to deflect the conversation, and they'll say, well, what about black-on-black crime? 
And I've heard that suing has come out of a lot of black people's mouths, too. And, you know, my answer to that is there is no such thing as black-on-black crime unless you're willing to acknowledge that there is this thing called white-on-white crime. So if you're not willing to acknowledge and talk about white-on-white crime, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. You know, and a lot of that is playing into so-called black pathologies. And that's another thing that we're going to have to talk about and we're going to have to discuss about how, you know, white people generally like to pathologize the black community. And we're also going to have to talk about, you know, some of the self-promoting opportunists, some of the black self-promoting opportunists that, you know, build their wealth or attempt to build their wealth off of black pathologies. That needs to be talked about as well. You know, these poverty pimps out here. And it's, it's a lot that, you know, we have to talk about because they've turned, you know, pathologizing of the black community, they've turned it into a business. And so, you know, we need you guys to pay attention to that, to go and look some of that up. Um, you know, anyone who knows me, they know I, you know, I'm not anti-religious. I do not believe in abolishing the church, none of that. I believe that people should be able to believe whatever it is that they want to believe. And But we got to talk about that prosperity gospel because it's nothing but capitalism on steroids. And eventually we're going to have to have a conversation on capitalism and how capitalism is built on and fueled by racism, anti-blackness. You know, it, it's it's a business model, y'all. We need for you to understand that. It's a business model. And so, you know, the white people out there, they're clutching their pearls because we're disrupting rallies and, you know, demanding answers and confronting people in public. That's how it should be. What the Black Lives Matter movement is doing is, you know, with, you know approaching these people. That is wise. That is smart. It is holding people accountable in public so that they can't change their story, that it will be on the official record. It's important that we do that. So, like I said, I'm going to post up that Check Your Bias link. And, you know, you guys, you know, I'm going to post it on my wall. If you want to share your results with me, that's great. If not, that's fine, too because I haven't taken a test yet. I'm actually a little afeard, so a little afraid of, you know, what the results are going to be, but that's okay. I think we all have some type of trepidation when it comes to things like that, but, you know, it can only make us better. So if you take the test, you get your results, you know, do a little research and try to improve on you as a person, and, you know, it can only get better. You know, that's how I see it. That's what I believe. So anyway, support Black Lives Matter. You know, there are a number of ways you can do that, send supplies. Um, You know I support, you know, Moral Mondays and, you know, definitely the Black Youth Project, um, you know, that's happening right here. There are chapters all over the United States, and it's still growing. And Dr. Carruthers is doing an excellent job with those young people. She really is. So, again... I appreciate you guys. 
I appreciate your logging in, listening in, you know, whether it's live or the archives. You know, we only have five minutes left, but it's been great. I mean, the past few weeks, you know, as far as, you know, what I've been learning and what has been exposed. Because, again, you know, some of these white allies, you know, your white, you know, what your white supremacy has been exposed, particularly in response to, you know, what happened with the Bernie Sanders. And I had people out there trying to justify. They were like, well, we, we, we don't disagree with the tactics. We disagree with who you're, you know, applying those tactics to. And my question is, why do you feel that Bernie Sanders should be an exception? You know, that you have people out there saying, well, why aren't they, you know, protesting at Hillary's, you know, rallies? They are. It's just that Hillary has, you know, secret service. And there was even a petition going around saying that Bernie Sanders should have secret service protection now because, you know, his rallies keep being protested. And I'm just laughing because I'm like, do you not see the racism in that? Seriously. And I'm just what like, you know, oh, my goodness. So, I mean, I really want to go there, but I've been promising that I was going to be good, you know, because, I mean, for the most part, you all know I don't give a damn. I'm just going to say what I need to say, but I'm trying to be good because I got a whole lot to say about a number of things. And, you know, it's all about nuance, you know. So, anyway. I'm just laughing, but yeah, white folks, folks, if you're clutching your pearls, relax, release, you know, because, I mean, if you're clutching your pearls now at us interrupting, you know, these rallies, I, I, I shudder to think at how you're going to react to the things that are coming forth, because this is just the beginning. So you need to brace yourself, you need to relax, and, you know, again, you know, if you're an ally, you know, you can always send them a note. You know, go to the Black Lives Matter website. You know, they have one of those CGI forms on there, and you can write whatever you need to write. You know, and I mean, some of you have been sending death threats, rape threats, you know, and a number of other things to the Black Lives Matter co-founders and, you know, other activists. And that speaks volumes, too, because it's like, you know, I mean, I've gotten death threats. And, you know, what you all don't seem to understand is that we're human. You know, we have families. We have lives. You know, we have disappointments. You know, many of us, we have regular jobs. So the activism is in addition to, you know, our everyday nine-to-five. Some of us own businesses, which means, you know, there's more than a nine-to-five. That's a 24-7. And so, you know, again, you know, like when you have these police officers trying to justify, you know, them assassinating black and brown in the street, and they'll say he was like the Tasmanian devil. He was like the Incredible Hulk and all of this. It's like, you know, you all see us as these superhuman you know, mutants, if you will. But then on the other hand, you have the nerve to see us as subhuman, as a second-class citizen. 
And, you know, I've been trying to reconcile that and, you know, put it in perspective. But the logic just doesn't hold up. And so it's just really interesting because it's just nothing but excuses. And like I said earlier, you know, you're either going to support, you know, some of these grassroots movements happening in, you know, um, different communities of color, you're either going to support it or you're not. But you don't have to try to just find some type of fake excuse to, you know, justify you're not supporting it. Just say, I'm not supporting it, period. It's my money, it's my time to do it as I wish. But when you come up with these excuses and then you come up, you know, trying to strong-arm us into doing things your way, this is why you're getting some of the resistance. And you can kiss my ass with that bullshit. So anyway, you all have a great weekend, and I will not apologize for what I just said. It's not going to happen. See you next Sunday, everybody. Take care.